Have you had enough of the big name web hosting services that are long on promises, but short on bleeding edge features, uptime and customer service? Or are you just looking for a performance boost for your business's online presence? The answer is Agorist Hosting. Agorist Hosting is the agile web host that offers full concierge service from website redesign, full e-commerce solutions, even custom apps for your Shopify store and more all with security, reliability, redundancy, and privacy at the forefront. Oh, and those bleeding edge features? How about hosting your data in a decentralized system like IPFS, the interplanetary file system? Good luck getting that from those other guys. Agoras Hosting is ready to take your web presence into the future. Head over to agoristhosting.com to get started. That's A-G-O-R-I-S-T hosting.com agoristhosting.com The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast Feed. It is time for a Sovereign Shorts and that means that the man of tomorrow, the Golden Stallion, the Rated R Radio Star, Sabzu, Dr. Brian Sovereign, is here. How many other names are going to pull out? Come on. It's 2023. (laughs) Can we whittle that down? No, I love it too much. And so do you. Anyway, at least that's what you tell me. Now, uh, something I don't love is uh, what we're going to be getting into here. And we are going to talk about none other than LastPass, a product that I have been supportive of, you know, honestly, going on about 10 years now. Um, for varying reasons. Now I want to give a little bit of history. We're going to talk about what happened at LastPass, and then we're going to talk about, well, should I leave LastPass behind? Uh, should I keep using it? What's the score? Well, we'll give you the score, but let's give a little history first, a little history. So initially, and this was in the time frame of when, uh, Sovereign Tech started a little over 10 years ago, um, as well as on free talk live, which I was a, uh, a host on, um, at the time I would often bring up, you know, like, okay. So it, and this is, this is so funny. <laughs> the wheel turns, right? Uh, like I say, everything's a spiral. So, or everything's a remix. Both, both statements are true. So when I first started sovereign tech and you can go back to those first episodes and I will tell you, look, privacy's dead. Forget about it. You're not going to get it. Okay. The only way you can get it is if you're writing stuff down on paper and you know, you're ready to light it with a match, you know, at a moment's notice and so on. Um, but you know, and I, I, at times I would even go further and say to the effect that, you know, once it leaves your brain, and I mean, not even once it leaves your lips, once it leaves your brain, it's no longer in some form or fashion, be it lips written down, whatever it's, you know, your privacy is just out the door. Um, that, you know, that was where I was at, at the time. Then what happens is the Snowden revelations. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, maybe privacy is still dead ultimately, or at least in a meaningful way, but we have to take meaningful action in light of, you know, the evidence that Edward Snowden had brought on. And so my tech changed to, okay, everybody like start using signal, start using X, Y, Z, do this, do that, you know, and, and privacy, or at least, uh, uh, you know, going through the, it's not going through the motions because you are creating meaningful change. 
But yeah, just that, like taking actions and talking about privacy in, in, in such a way, at least being aware of what's happening to it as it's being eroded and what mitigations you can do, at least to some degree, you know, to, to, to regain it, to reclaim it, or at the very least send the signal out there. And I don't mean the signal message. I mean, send the signal in the noise that you give a shit. Um, and so that happened after the Snowden revelations. And it was really a like major shift in the tone, um, of the show. Um, you know, and it's not like I wasn't not like I'm, I wasn't throwing up my hands about privacy, you know, in 2012 and previous years, uh, you know, because I don't know anything or because I don't understand encryption. It's the exact opposite. I do understand cryptography. You know, I mean, I've been involved in that space for fucking ever, you know, like I totally get it. And, and, you know, I came from a position of a lot of knowledge about the subject and that's why I held the position. Look, privacy is dead. Okay. But again, events happen and it becomes worthwhile to, you know, at the very least, again, mitigate the erosion of your privacy, uh, you know, that, that had been going on for some time. Now we get into, you know, and at that time, so here's the thing, like at that time, the reason I bring this up, the reason I'm bringing up this history, cause it doesn't exactly have to do with LastPass, except for why did I start recommending LastPass in the first place? Okay. So bring this in, like at that time before the Snowden revelations my, and you know, I would still recommend this to this day. If you want to go this far, I just understand where people are coming from as far as, you know, convenience, but always remember there's a trade-off between convenience and security. Okay. So my recommendation pre Snowden revelations was if you have passwords, okay, you want to, and you can still buy these to this day online at, you know, at a bookstore, wherever you will buy a little notebook that you know, in fact, they even make them that are for usernames and passwords where like the fields within the notebook itself are designed to do that. So it's a paper notebook that you can do that. Um, and part of my argument for that was that at the time, even then, you know, police don't really look at paper anymore. They just want to get into your smartphone. So having, you know, or your computer. So having your username and passwords, uh, you know, in a notebook is something that most people wouldn't think to look for. So by default, they're secure. And then also you're not copy pasting them, uh, hopefully anyway, you know, from, from like, you know, notepad on windows, right? Instead your, your copy or, you know, you're writing them down from a physical notepad. That's again, physical, not digital. So that was my recommendation at the time. Okay. Now two things occurred. One of them being the Snowden revelations. Okay. The other which, you know, with the Snowden revelations, you would say, well, putting your usernames and passwords in a physical notebook is still a great idea under those auspices. Yes, that's true. But the other thing that occurred is basically smartphones became so important, so pervasive, you know, they became infrastructure and in some ways became a, com a necessary companion piece in some ways, depending upon your workflow and lifestyle. Okay. They became a companion piece to your PC. So, you know, you needed to sync between the two devices in some way. So I understand that. And this of course is still very true. Um, the second thing that occurred is really the explosion of services and apps that people would end up using. 
And really, like <laughs> some notebooks that you could buy, say those usernames and passwords notebooks, aren't even big enough for the amount of accounts that you have to have. Certainly, you know, in where we're at in 2022 and, or, you know, well, actually now we're in 2023 even, but the fact is still true. Uh, so it became practical, okay, to have a service like LastPass, you know, a password manager that would both create a password for you, which it does a great job of that, right? With, you know, pseudo random number generation and store all of those passwords along with, you know, perhaps some other things, because, you know, one of the beauties of LastPass is that it also has the secure vault with one gigabyte, you know, one gigabyte of storage. Um, so it just it, like the way that the digital world along with Meatspace has been going in the past 10 years, it made sense to make use of, uh, you know, password management software. And one that's built into, you know, the web browser, you know, as in has an extension for the web browser, as well as something that works on your smartphone. Okay. And this is where recommending LastPass came in. At the time, yes, there was KeyPass, which I have also been just as supportive, if not more so uh, than LastPass over the years. KeyPass, of course, is an open source option, but really there wasn't a great open source option back when I started recommending LastPass, say in 2013, 2014. Um, of course, I was also going off of the uh, remarkable uh, research that, you know, my hero, Steve Gibson of the Security Now podcast um, had done at the time. And that was his recommendation. In fact, I don't know what he has because, you know, everybody's been on vacation. I'm not sure what Steve Gibson is going to say about the new information that has come out about the LastPass breach, which is what we're going to get into. But I'll you know, cut, you know, I'll get ahead of it here. Okay. And well, we'll see. And if he and I disagree, well, that's happened before too, but regardless, we'll, we'll keep going here. But his recommendation of LastPass, you know, kind of led me in that direction. Like we didn't have anything quite like Bitwarden. Okay. Which is another option now that has most of, in fact, even some features that LastPass doesn't have, but has most of LastPass's features um, and is fully open source. I mean, you could even build it yourself from code if you really wanted to, uh, and does a great job of working, uh, you know, across devices. And also one of the things that led a lot of people, even without a data breach, what led a lot of people to use Bitwarden was that it didn't, you know, the syncing between devices did not get put behind a paywall, it did not become a paid feature like it did with LastPass a few years ago, which a lot of made a lot of people run away from LastPass. Uh, you know, among other things like the changing of management over and over again, and who owns who owns LastPass that's changed multiple times, and and so on. Um, so I recommended LastPass with, you know, for the frankly, at the time, the best reasons that you could recommend anything. Okay. Um, and I, you know, the other thing with LastPass, not even all of that, but just from a UI perspective, and believe me, I've used other password management competitors. I've also, you know, like I have used Bitwarden. We'll talk about that more later on. Um, but I've used one password. I've used Dashlane. I've used a bunch of different ones, tested them out over the years. Um, and frankly, all of them are just really kludgy when it comes to UI as to where LastPass has just got the simplicity down pat. 
I mean, they really do. And I don't know why it's so hard for other ones to get it and to have them work so well, uh, like LastPass does from a UI UX perspective. Um, but it's there. So, uh, that is how I ended up recommending LastPass over the past few years. And I have essentially continued to recommend it up until this day. Am I saying that I'm not recommending LastPass anymore? Well, let's talk about what happened. So what did happen is on, let's see, I want to say the first email was on December 1st of 2022, uh, notifying, which, you know, kudos to LastPass for at least notifying users that there was some kind of a breach, you know, like having that transparency, that's great. Um, and then, so there was December 1st when they notified about it. And in fact, Many security researchers talked about that at the time, and they were essentially saying, okay, we have some understanding of what occurred, um, but we don't know enough to say whether or not we should stop recommending LastPass. That was December 1st. Then a follow-up email about the same incident, and this incident occurred in August, came on December 22nd, 2022. And this is when suddenly people started sweating based upon that email. The short version of this email is, I'm going to give it to you in four points. Point one. So LastPass suffered a breach to its cloud servers in August, 2022. Okay. So there's a data breach on their servers. All right. Point two, customer data, including password vaults. That's the most important names, IP and billing addresses and phone numbers are among the data recently confirmed stolen during the attack. Okay. That password vaults part is what we're going to get back to. Point three, LastPass explains its 256-bit AES encryption makes it unlikely for attackers to gain access to stolen customer password vaults. Is that true? We're going to get into that. Point four, credit card information was not included in the stolen data stored separately in a safe location. Okay, so here you go. Uh, and these are the most, so like, that's the four points of what's going down. Here's the most, here's the takeaways, even from that short version, password vaults as in an entire copy as of like August 1st, or really up until they told everybody about it, which would have been December, but regardless, you know, most people, even though passwords should get changed every three to six months, if not even more, uh, you know, generally don't engage in that kind of, uh, uh shall we say password hygiene, um, but password vaults from that time were taken. Now, what were not taken were the, your master password. Okay. For that password vault, that is a key point, but we've got to talk about that. What does that mean? Regardless, the password vault is in my opinion, the crown jewel. Okay. Some would say that the, uh, you know, like stealing master passwords with identifying information, as in, you know, where to use the master password to unlock the vault would be the better thing. I disagree. I think really having the, because here's the thing. If, if you have the master password, but you don't have the password vault and you still have to log into LastPass's servers, right? At LastPass HQ or wherever those servers are, are, are you know, happen to be located, um, you would get as a user, you would get notifications likely that, Hey, there's a uh, suspicious access of your password vault from this locate from X location. Uh, you know, 
if this isn't you, like here's the steps to take, right? So that's why I'm saying that getting the master passwords isn't remotely as bad as actually taking the password vaults themselves. The password vaults themselves, stealing those, taking those away, putting them on other servers where you would not get notified that they got accessed. They're the crown jewels. That's 10, 10 times worse. So what I'm saying here in short and the credit card info, yeah, what, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Okay. That the credit card info wasn't taken, but that's pun intended chump change in comparison to the password vaults, uh, uh, you know, being, being, uh, um, you know, stolen. I mean, they're still obviously on LastPass's you know, <laughs> uh, servers as well, but those being copied, which would be the accurate thing to say, those being, you know, taken and copied, uh, that that's as bad as it gets in my opinion for a password management, uh, service and software. So the bad guys have the vaults. What happens now? Well, what happens now is, I mean, they arguably, they can't really do anything with those vaults without your master password that unlocks the vault and the vault has all the rest of your passwords. Okay. So LastPass's claim in their own blog post was that it would take a million years, uh, you know, with modern computers for bad actors to be able to brute force. If you again, or, you know, brute force your master password and figure it out to unlock your vaults. If and this is a big, if, if, and I'm, I mean, kudos to LastPass for admitting this part, if you followed best password hygiene, you know, best practices with creating a password at the very least for your master password, which I certainly hope everybody did. Okay. Now what they're saying isn't entirely untrue, but it's kind of a half truth as far as that goes. Okay. Would it take a million years, uh, linearly, shall we say to, you know, to, to, to brute force and, you know, to figure out your password and get into your password vault. Sure. But again, it's kind of a half truth. So I have a couple stories. Uh, where others have been quoted, other researchers have been quoted about this and broke down essentially what I would have broken down, but their words are far more uh, brief. <laughs> so I'm going to run with them, but we have a story uh, here. This one's from nine to five Mac from December 27th. Uh, in fact, he says exactly what I said. Security analyst last pass statement on breach includes half truths and outright lies. Uh, so let's go ahead and read this. It's not very long at all. Just before Christmas and the stories by uh, Michael Potuck, by the way, uh, but just before Christmas, LastPass issued an update on its security breach, including the news that customer vaults were obtained by the hacker. After digging through all the technical claims, one security researcher says the situation is much worse than the company claims and believes the statement is, quote, full of omissions, half-truths, and outright lies, end quote. Writing on his security blog, Almost Secure, via tech meme, Vladimir Palant has picked apart 14 different statements in the LastPass update on its security breach, covering everything from the company's claim of transparency to its own security practices and more, Pallant believes LastPass has downplayed the risks and is guilty of, quote, gross negligence, end quote. One of the claims at issue is LastPass telling customers, quote, if you use the default settings above, it would take millions of years to guess your master password using generally available password cracking technology, end quote. Pallant says that it's probably closer to two months than millions of years for the average person, quote. 
This is from, from Pallant. I'll translate. If you've done everything right, nothing can happen to you. This again prepares the ground for blaming the customers. One would assume that people who quote test the latest password cracking technologies and quote would know better than that. As I've calculated, even guessing a truly random password uh, meeting their complexity criteria would take less than a million years on average using a single graphics card. But human chosen passwords are far from being random. Most people have trouble even remembering a truly random 12 character password. An older survey found the average person or the average password to have 40 bits of entropy. Such passwords could be guessed in slightly more than two months on the same graphics card. Even an unusual Usually strong password with 50 bits of entropy would take 200 years on average, not unrealistic for a high value target that somebody would throw more hardware on end quote. Um, so the point being that, you know, like what, what plant is saying is yeah, no, okay. It's not going to be millions of years like with, and, and it's funny. Like I agree with him that LastPass seemed to be setting up and putting the blame on the user. Right. Um, and, and certainly there's a huge conversation we could have around that. Like, is it ever really the user's problem or is it with, with software? Is it always the engineer's problem? Big conversation to have, but regardless, LastPass is setting up the, uh, the customer, you know, the, the user, uh, to be the problem. Um, but his point that, okay, or what I was going to say was LastPass made it very particular in their language that general password cracking software would only take your, you know, would, would take a million years. Yeah. But what about not so general software? Okay. And what about, like he said, you know, kind of the power of the latest graphics cards and so on that changes the math quite a bit to where it could be done in 200 years to even two months, depending on how hot of a target you are. Now I've brought up many times that if you are, and this has been true from day one of sovereign tech, it was true even after the Snowden revelations In fact, it became more true then because then I had even more evidence to prove the statement that I have said over and over again, if the, you know, if the NSA or pick your alphabet soup organization or government is coming after you, if you are targeted, there is almost, in fact, I would say nothing really that you can do to hide. Okay. And to protect your data, there is nothing because there, I mean, there's tools you haven't even heard from that, are, you know, are going to ruin your day. If you're targeted, if you're that hot of a target, if you're that necessary to go after, you are effectively screwed. So point being, if somebody were a hot enough target and their last pass uh, password vault was had, you know, a copy of that was had, uh, you're done like, and maybe inside of two months. Now it actually gets even worse. Let's go to another story. Um, and this one is actually coming from, this is also from nine to five Mac, but it's, they're, they're quoting, uh, some researchers from LastPass's competitor. Of course, keep that in mind that they're a competitor, that being one password. Uh, here's the headline. This is from December 29th. So even a little bit after the Palance piece, uh, LastPass security attacked by rival company, one password quote, passwords could be cracked for a hundred dollars End quote This is by Ben Lovejoy. Let's read it. Uh, well, let, let's get into, there's all that background. We already read all that. So here we go. 
OnePassword's principal security architect, Jeffrey Goldberg, says in a blog post that even this overestimates the difficulty and says that if someone wanted to crack a typical LastPass customer's master password, the process would cost only around $100. Now, what he's referencing, uh, what Goldberg's referencing there is, you know, the, the comment that, oh, it'd take millions of years. Okay, so Goldberg uses the same reasoning as Palant. Real-life master passwords for most users are not random, and password crackers know this. Quote, the cracking systems will try things like Fido, ate my two socks, uh, exclamation point, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, you know, long, like, it'll try those, you know, things of that length, long before they try things like the machine-created, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, reading on. Passwords created by humans are crackable even if they meet various complexity requirements. So, if you or another human created that 12-character password, it doesn't matter if there are 2 to the 72nd power different possible 12-character passwords. What matters, what matters is whether yours is going to be among the few billion that, attra that attackers try first. End quote. So that's that's from Goldberg at, at one password. He says that most passwords can be cracked in fewer than 10 billion guesses and that this could be done for around one hundred dollars. Goldberg says that with LastPass, the user's master password is the only thing needed to access all their logins. But this is not true of one password, which combines a user selected master password with a machine derived secret key. Both are needed to access a user's password vault. Um, so. Yeah, I, I get that. And it's, it gets into essentially what, you know, like how one password is different. Um, so I think ultimately what we need to get down to here is again, the keys from the kingdom or, or <laughs> use a different one. Like I used earlier, the crown jewels have been stolen. Okay. Your crown jewels have been stolen and it's all a matter of cracking your master password. And I think these researchers are spot on that that is nowhere near as hard as LastPass would have you believe. So what is the recommendation here? No, the recommendation isn't one password. We'll get into that. But the recommendation absolutely is it's time to leave LastPass. Okay. Um, this has been, you know, one more breach in a series of breaches over the past few years which comes down to the fact, why is this constantly happening to LastPass? Not necessarily that LastPass is implementing practices wrong, though that argument could certainly be made now, but more so because LastPass is the hottest target, right? It's the same reason that, like, why does Windows have so many, uh, so many viruses and malware and everything else? It's because Windows is the most used, so it's the hottest target. It's not that somehow macOS is that much better or even really that Linux is that much better. It's that Windows is the hottest target. And this is also true for LastPass. So I am not, and in the same vein, I am not going to go and recommend, oh, we'll just use Dashlane and just use 1Password. Because as long as it's not the hottest target, you're better off anyway. That's not true. Because Bitwarden and others do implement uh, best practices, more security than even uh, LastPass does. Now, this is where, honestly, some of that kludginess, which I talked about earlier, between UI and UX comes in. Okay. But these are things that ultimately we need to get used to. All right. Now, I'm saying somewhat because there's other areas where, no, there's no need for any kludginess. There's no reason that 
like the, the way that the information fills in, in your web browser should be such a pain in the ass, uh, as compared to LastPass. So I'm not contradicting myself from earlier. I'm just saying that to some degree, some of the kludginess in user experience and lack of ease of use, lack of convenience, which again, convenience and security, there's a trade-off between those two. The more convenience you have, the less security you have. Um, you know, you run out, you run into issues with convenience that you don't have with LastPass, but you do end up having with some of these competitors. And that is because they are implementing at least some better security mitigating practices. Okay. So, but I'm not going to go recommending going to any of those. My recommendations are going to be two, though you could say three, uh, but three, I think is kind of impractical. All right. Uh, three, let's just get this one out of the way. Should you go back to using a physical notebook, right? A username and passwords notebook. Um, no, like, I, I mean, yes, it's a great idea if you don't have that many accounts. Um, but just if you, if you actually work, do work in the system, like, and you're not working for yourself. And even if you are, you know, even if like you're running a small business or something, you're, you're just there's so much shit you have to log into today. It really does become impractical. And I mean, just, just from the standpoint of like how often you have to, cause again, you want to change your passwords, you know, at least every three to six months, uh, you know, you're going to have to keep rewriting that and you have to go through everything and do that all over again. I mean, it just becomes an insane time suck. Um, now, I mean, you could say it's worth it. Sure. But I just, I feel like ultimately that the paper notebook as great an idea as that is for most people is just flat out impractical. And I want to be sensitive to that. Okay. So, um, my options are if you are wanting to stick with something that is close to last LastPass last in functionality, as in it is cloud-based, um, and allows you, you know, to, to sync between devices very easily, Maybe not as easy as LastPass, maybe just as easy as LastPass, depending upon, you know, what processes you go through and so on. Um, then Bitwarden is the way to go. You know, it is so well vetted. Um, they have just the right attitude as a business. Uh, they really have some kick-ass features, including like uh, encrypted file sending, which I think is not, not just password sharing, but like encrypted file sending, kind of like Firefox Send used to be, uh, which is just great. Um, I mean, they really, they have a lot going for them. One of the other things I love about Bitwarden is, you know, I'm a huge fan of using either Firefox or Fennec, depending upon what app store you're going through, uh, of using Firefox or Fennec on Android devices and both Firefox and Fennec. Of course, Fennec is just like a more open version of Firefox. It's the same code. Uh, both of them allow you to use Bitwarden as um, you know, right into the mobile browser as an extension. And that's the right move. And I say that because, you know, you may want to set up like a separate identity with a Fennec instance or a Firefox instance on your smartphone. And so having a completely separate password store and one that's built right into the web browser itself, perhaps where it matters. And that way it's not something that has system-wide access is a fantastic thing to have. And really, I think it is down to like LastPass and Bitwarden that you can do that with on, uh, you know, mobile versions of Firefox and Fennec. Um, so I dig that aspect of it. Uh, also, you know, again, there is the claim, at least for now, the promise that they will not 
put, you know, device uh, sync and like your ability to have, you know, Bitwarden installed on multiple devices that they will never put that behind a paywall. That'll never become a paid for feature. Great. Okay. That that's, that's awesome. Of course, the most important part of it is it's open source and it's become so popular so quickly that code has been vetted over and over again, um, which, you know, certainly should bring some peace of mind. So Bitwarden is a great option. Now talking about, you, you know, switching over to Bitwarden, Bitwarden, uh, has set up and maybe in the past, I don't know, couple months, maybe it's gotten better or in the past, maybe in 2022 at some point, let's put it that way. Maybe it has gotten better at this. It does have an import feature for you to export all of your username and passwords out of LastPass and import them somewhat automatically into Bitwarden. Now, the thing is I say somewhat automatically because it's really not an automatic process. It's not like you just log into LastPass. Uh, you know, and Bitwarden will just vacuum everything in, uh, you know, to your new, uh, Bitwarden account. What you have to do is you have to export, um, into a spreadsheet effectively. You have to export your password, usernames and passwords out of LastPass and then import that spreadsheet file into, into Bitwarden. Um, the problem is it's not a very clean process when it does it. It's not bad, but it's not great either. Okay. So you're going to have to go through a lot of cleaning up. Um, you're going to have to spend some time on it. Either way, you're going to spend some time on it, of course. Uh, and you could say that it's better than, you know, doing it one-to-one, right. And you could be right about that. It really, that depends on, you know, what, how much effort you're willing to, you know, really put into this. Uh, but ultimately, again, you do want to get away from LastPass. And I mean, the, the other thing you could do, you could export it. I mean, this could be a great opportunity for you to, and this is the way I'd like, I'd really like you to think about it. This is a great opportunity for you not only to find, you know, not only to change all of your passwords as you're going through this process. Okay. So meaning you could, what you could do is, you know, like delete LastPass from your web browser. Okay. From one web browser, your main daily driver that you use, and then go to all the sites that you normally go to. And as you're going through each one, change the password, have Bitwarden installed on that web browser, and then just have Bitwarden collect all those passwords as you go. Because right now, again, we don't know when or, you know, if or when the uh, bad actors are going to crack into your last pass password vault that they have, um, you know, that they have a copy of. So, you know, this is a great time to go through that process. So really you want to spend the time anyway. Okay. Um, but that, that, that's how I would go through it. And then, you know, as you're looking at LastPass, okay, what haven't I done? And as you're closing your LastPass account, this is a great time to go through and see what aren't, what accounts aren't you using anymore. And effectively, what accounts can you delete and get rid of? Because each of them is a gateway to your life that is just waiting to be used against you. It's not if it's when. This is why I argue for account minimalism and app minimalism. Okay. The more accounts and apps you have, the more vectors you have into your life and they are attack vectors. So, uh, this is an opportunity to go through that. Cons- you know, consider this a good thing, right? It's, it's your time to tighten up the ship. Now my, so I, I told you I had three recommendations. I've given you two Bitwarden. If you want to stick with more of a traditional, like something you're used to with LastPass, that's really the way you want to go. Um, the third option is my top choice and what I'm personally doing, 
which is I use KeePass. Okay. Now there's different versions of KeePass because like the code has been forked in different ways. Like there's KeePass XC, uh, KeePass XD, and so on, um, or KeePass DX on mobile. Uh, I use uh, KeePass DX, and I sync it. You are able to sync it between, and in fact, you can install it from the Fdroid store at that. So this is completely open source. Uh, I, I can sync it between my web browser, my devices, the whole thing. It's a little more complex of a setup. Okay. There are phenomenal YouTube videos out there that could show you how to go about it. And I recommend you go through those implement best practices here. Okay. Again, this is your time to tighten up the chip. Uh, but I do that. Now, the problem is that you are keeping a local store of your passwords. It is not on someone else's servers. I don't consider that a problem, but I could see where other people would. Like if you are worried that your, you know, your laptop is going to get stolen or destroyed at some point, uh, or your, you know, your mobile device, because you could just as easily say you're, I mean, I know I actually have a lot of listeners where their smartphone is their computer. It's everything for them. It's their desktop. It's their mobile. It's, it's the whole package, right? Like a galaxy phone, uh, you know, where you're using Samsung decks, right? As your desktop, you plug it into a monitor and keyboard and away you go. Um, you know, if you're worried that your smartphone is going to get taken, this might not be a great idea. Of course, you can always make a backup, an encrypted backup, you know, of your, um, of your KeePass uh, vault and have that perhaps on the cloud. Again, it's up to your tolerances and how you want to set things up. I mean, and you can go really far with this. Like you could not only do that, you know, if you really wanted to go far, like if you want to do something akin to what I'll do. So I'll have my KeePass backup. Okay. That in and of itself will be within a Veracrypt vault. And then the Veracrypt vault itself, uh, well, there might be more Veracrypt in vaults, you know, Veracrypt, like there's vaults within vaults. Remember only the paranoid survive. Okay. <laughs> and and I'll, I'm not going to say how many there might be, but I'll do that. And then that will be uploaded to Dropbox and maybe another service, which I won't tell you. So, but that, that's the process, you know, that like that I go through to mitigate the concern of my computer dying, the hard drive dying for some reason, um, or getting stolen, you know, or my smartphone getting stolen or whatever, but that those, that's the route that I go through. Now that's a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. Um, now we do have to, there is a conversation to be had around pass keys, right? This is the latest quote unquote, technological development, um, for, you know, as far as like usernames and passwords and perhaps even superseding those, because at the end of the day, like, let's, let's be honest about this at the end of the day, password usernames and passwords suck. Like it's a shitty security system straight up. Okay. And you know, we should be using something else. I wish we were using squirrel by Steve Gibson. Um, but we're not. Pass keys seem to be the thing coming down the pike. Uh, and you know, I, I don't want to get into a full technical breakdown of pass keys here. I am, I'll say this outright. I'm not really a fan. Um, but that deserves a sovereign technica episode to really break that down and, and discuss why, and, you know, and get into all of that. Um, but you know, that, that's something that's coming. And really the answer is yes, we just need to get away from like password managers shouldn't even be a thing. 
because pass usernames and passwords are dead. Uh, you know, I don't know if and when we're ever going to get to that. It'd probably be decades if that were ever to be a part of the future, but we will see. Um, I do find it, I'll admit, I find it very odd that, or suspicious, that the highest profile password software suffers such a nasty breach. I would argue a business ending breach. Uh, and at the advent of the nascent technology of passkeys, I, I think there's something suspicious in there. I'm just putting that out there. I'm not saying that Apple did this to LastPass and, you know, so that people would, would buy into passkeys. Uh, I'm not saying that Google did this, you know, so that people would buy into passkeys. I'm not saying that those two joined up with their collective abilities and hired the best people on the planet. It's not like they're already on, not already on their payroll to engage in such bad acting, such cracking slash hacking. I'm just saying the timing of this is very fitting for the launch of a new username, password replacing technology. That's all I'm saying. So, You have some options. Um, I will put them in the show notes for Bitwarden. uh, And I will also, in fact, I might even link to one of those password notebooks. uh, And as well as KeePass, I'll give you links on that in the show notes. uh, So you can start setting this up. Of course, the other great thing to do, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it, uh, set up two-factor authentication on any accounts where you're changing the passwords where two-factor authentication is uh, possible. And if possible, do that two-factor authentication with a physical device, that being a YubiKey. Um, Try to steer clear of SMS as much as possible. Sometimes you have to do workarounds with companies to be able to uh, get away from SMS authentication. Um, I think that that's a complete fail and just as bad as, you know, what happened to LastPass. You're setting yourself up for the same failure by using SMS authentication. Um, some companies I know force you to set up an SMS authentication. Well, then obviously you can't, you can't do anything about it if you want to use their service. Uh, but as much as possible, avoid that. Um, if you're not familiar with YubiKeys, get familiar with them right now, even with pass keys becoming a thing and Fido seeming to leave, you know, the Fido line seeming to leave, uh, YubiKeys behind. Don't do it. Uh, get on that. And again, you know, consider KeyPass or Bitwarden. Um, all right. So that's it for LastPass. Again, I cannot recommend them any longer and I will not do so. And with that, I will see all of you woo, on the other side and happy new year. Science. Outer space. Psychology. Book and movie recommendations. Fiction from the Sovereign Universe. Travels to points of mystery and the unexplained. And even spirituality? All of that can only mean one thing. The Sovereign Technica Newsletter. By me, Ellen Sovereign. Along with some stuff by that crazy man I call my husband, Dr. Brian Sovereign. It's the latest tool in your self-directed education. 
the education that really matters. If you want to cut through the crap of mainstream media ass clowns, sign up for the Sovereign Technica newsletter right now at sovereign.substack.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N The Sovereign Technica newsletter. Welcome to the future.